I'm Amy Lettingham. I'm a master certified dating and relationship coach. And I'm Kevin Lettingham, Amy's husband and a former reality and docuseries TV producer director. And together we want to welcome you to Sex, Love, and Mindful Dating. I'm going to begin today's show by asking you a question. What do you think is required to have a long lasting relationship? And by the end of the show, I'm going to ask you the same question to see if you have the same answer. In order to help answer this question, we're going to dive into episode three of Love is Blind. Then we're going to analyze each of the couples in the pods, as well as the time they spend together in Cancun, Mexico. By the way, if you like our show and would like to hear more of them, the best way to make that happen is by hitting the subscribe button and giving us a five-star review. It really helps. Thank you. So Amy, I'm going to try to help everyone answer the question that you posed at the beginning by asking you a question. How do you know if a relationship has a chance for long-lasting love or if it's just going to fizzle out? You know, I've been a dating and relationship coach for years, and I've noticed some patterns in singles that struggle to find love versus those that have found long-lasting relationships. And these patterns help me build something that I consider a very compelling dating tool. So I call this the equation of love. And this equation is chemical spark plus intellectual stimulation plus emotional intimacy equals long-lasting love. Let's start with the first one. What is chemical spark? Yeah, chemical spark is that initial spark of falling in love. When you meet somebody and you're like, boom, that person I'm attracted to, I want to jump their bones. Chemicals like dopamine release in your brain and it hits your reward center of your brain. And this is the same chemical that gets released when someone's doing cocaine. And just like cocaine, there is a shelf life on the high. So this is that stuff when you're like, really want someone and your body is like tingling all over and you're like, I want this person. And you're not sure why there's actual chemicals moving in your body that are going. Yes. And you can feel it. I remember, I know I've had those moments where you're super attracted to someone and you're, it, you can't really describe the feeling. You can't, you're like looking at the phone, waiting for them to text you. Like you're just, they're always on your mind. Okay. So I got chemical spark, intellectual stimulation. What, what is this? Intellectual stimulation to me is built on common interests and hobbies and also similarities in thoughts and deep connective conversations. Basically, the idea is when someone else's mind stimulates your mind. And honestly, you, when I first met you, you were so creative that created a connection between us. Well, I do remember when we when we first started dating, there was an intellectual stimulation for sure. I liked the way your mind thought. The chemical spark was there too. So we've Check two off at the beginning. Yes. You are. <laughs> Emotional intimacy. What is that? So all three parts are really important, but this to me is the most important because it consists of sharing feelings of your core values, your non-negotiables. These are your deal breakers in relationships and really being vulnerable and honest with each other, being authentic, showing up truthful with flaws and all and fully accepting each other the way they are. So do you need 100% of all of these or could you say like have maybe a small chemical spark of like 20% and then you another one, you've got a whole lot of emotional intimacy? I mean, how does it work? Do you, is it all or nothing or is there room for a little bit of growth? I think it can vary. 
I don't think that it's absolute, right? The numbers, I think that depending on each person and what they want and how they feel, as long as all three elements are in play, they're good. So you need all three. The most important thing is that you've got a percentage of all three, not necessarily big percentages of all three. You need And it depends on people's needs, right? There's certain people that don't need that intellectual stimulation to be at 100. They may be just need it at a 40%. So, But they feel some. But they feel enough that it can keep that relationship going. That's a really good breakdown of the equation. But before we start testing it against the couples, I did want to take a little bit of a detour and talk about the making of the show. At the end of this third episode, we saw a total of six couples have gotten engaged, right? But did you know that in reality, they filmed a total of eight proposals in the pods, not six? What? Here's what happened. So the show has to plan for how many couples are going to get engaged. Now, they're going to assume one, hopefully two, maybe three. Nobody thought eight. Now... They didn't have enough logistics, enough money, enough cameramen to be able to go to Mexico. So they had to make a really tough decision and they had to get rid of two couples and say, you can't come. So what happened to the other two? The two couples were basically sent home. Uh, I'm sure they were still under a non-disclosure agreement to not talk about the show. But how long do you think they lasted? I mean, they were engaged. You'd think at least a few months. I think they only lasted a couple weeks each. What? Yeah. Yeah. There's no cameras when you get home. Now you got a date normally. And I'm sure they were massively disappointed. Well, I almost feel like this is the part that's the game show effect. You know, it's like you want to be one of the ending couples. (laughs) Absolutely true. So that could be what happened. We could be looking at two couples that really wanted to be on the show more than they wanted to be engaged. So who knows? Well, fortunately, we have six pretty incredible couples, and I think now it's time to put your equation of love to the test, and let's go through each of the six couples and see which ones are on their way to solve the equation of love and which ones are not. So let's dive into Damien and Gigi, Giannina. So the chemical spark in the pod seemed to me like it was real for them. They had they had hots for each other, I would say, but when... They saw each other face to face after the proposal. Giannina was laughing as she saw him and walked towards him and then turned away and walked away. I mean, it was really confusing. It was like, did she come back because she knew the camera was there and she didn't want to be mean? I agree. Her body language kind of sent some mixed signals early and then she rallied and completely changed. And I think her wheels were spinning and she decided she was going to be attracted to him. I don't think she was blown away by what he looked like no but throughout the show it did seem like she was warming up to him Uh, here's a question let's say you don't have that chemical spark in that initial part but can it develop in a week or a month absolutely i think as you develop the intellectual stimulation and that emotional intimacy all of a sudden that spark starts lighting up so she might end up getting more and more into him physically as the show moves on. So we'll give her the benefit of the doubt. I I think there's probably some chemical spark there uh, developing at the very least. Uh, Intellectual stimulation, that was a tough one. I mean, we don't have tons to work off of on this, but there was an interesting moment on the balcony that they were basically having dinner. And then she asked him if he knew what truffles were. Yes. And he said, well, I know what chocolate truffles were. 
And uh, she kind of laughed a little bit and she's like, played it off as you're really cute. But I could feel like, oh, she's like, he doesn't know what truffles are. And I'm sure if she was to ask him, he would have no clue where truffles came from. You know, that they're a fungus, that you find them under trees. And does that intellectually stimulate you? Oh, that sounds so sexy right now. I'm here to please. (laughs) So emotional intimacy is a little different because they have definitely had some emotional moments over not only this episode, but previous episodes. What do you think about their compatibility as it relates to emotional intimacy? I think emotional intimacy for them, um, there was a point where she was really vulnerable and sharing that she self-sabotages. And she was just, hey, these these are my flaws. Know that this is what I'm going to do to you, possibly. And if you want to step up and be part of this, you know, know where I come from. And he still proposed to her. So I feel like that piece was there. Yes. And then she proposed to him. Yeah, and I think that's her her deal is that she wants to be in control. And I think a lot of, you know, when you're insecure, you tend to, you know, there's such lack of control in your love life that you want to control some parts. And maybe that's where she flipped it on him rather than letting him lead. All right, Damon and Gigi, uh, what do you think their grade is on the equation of love? You know, to me, it's an incomplete because... I just think that there's so many inconsistencies. My eyes are telling me a lot of good things, but my gut is telling me that there's something hiding from both sides. So let's talk about our favorite couple to love-hate, and that's Mark and Jessica. They're amazing TV, and they didn't disappoint in this episode at all. Uh, What did you think of that moment where they meet each other for the first time? I thought there was some attraction. I know for Mark, there was a lot of attraction, But for Jessica, she was like, yeah, he looks like a man, at least. Like, it was more like... I think for some reason she thought there was going to be a guy riding up on a bicycle with training wheels. She didn't know what a 24-year-old looked like. I mean, I know he was 10 years younger, but still 24. Yeah. Uh, Well, she was just happy he looked like a real man. Yeah, but still disappointed he wasn't Barnett. I think Jessica is not physically drawn to Mark. And I think she likes the emotional comfort feeling, but she doesn't have that emotional bond with him either. So there's no emotional attraction either. It's more of he's filling a void. You know, at some point, I believe she saw Barnett at the, on the show, and it kind of put her into comparison between Mark and Barnett. And that's when I feel like that first night in the hotel She was like, I don't want to have sex with you. Yes. Let's just like keep this. Let's take the slow. We didn't get to see Hersey Barnett on camera. That would have been good. That would have been amazing. And I totally agree. I think the moment she would have seen Barnett after with Amber, she would have been so disappointed she didn't win the prize because Barnett is arguably much more handsome than Mark and taller. And her type. And her type. Let's talk about that real quick because she made some comments about she's used to guys that are bigger and older. Ugh, I hate the word type. I tell all my clients to get rid of their type because sometimes you're attracted to the dysfunction you know or you're familiar with you know some past trauma that you haven't healed. So get rid of the type. Those are things that box you in and it's rigid. And I want to introduce people to a new term called the bliss list. This is something that I came up with and I really think 
that is important for us to focus on non-negotiables, deal breakers, their core values in a relationship. And they're not superficial traits like height or someone's looks, you know, because I will tell you this, I've never seen anyone get a divorce because somebody wasn't tall enough. Well, I think the bliss list makes sense because I know that types are something that everyone thinks they have. Oh, he's not my type. She's not my type. And that can be a really dangerous thing to have because if you are going, well, he's not my type, like Jessica is with Mark, Mark could be her dream guy, but she's already decided that he's too young, too short, to this, to that, instead of getting to know Mark. And his core values. Yeah. This is her flaw. Jessica actually had a, an interesting line. He goes, it's been 20 years of pushing off commitment. I tried to push him away, but he wouldn't let me. Love is so blind. I'm marrying a 24-year-old. She doesn't say his name. Doesn't say things that are like important. He brings about- out the best of me or he's such a great guy. No, it's just like... I don't want to be by myself for the rest of my life. He wants me more than I want him. And he's 24. So now I'm going to have to see how this works. And and to be fair, you know, a 10-year age gap is a pretty big gap, 34 and 24. But one thing I did look up because I was curious, uh, there was a 2013 study that actually polled married couples in the U.S. to see the age difference between the couples. What percentage of couples in the U.S.? Is the woman 10 years older than the man? I think a small percentage. What is it? 1%. Just 1%. I was right. (laughs) Almost 85% of all couples in the United States are within a year of each other or the man is older. Wow. So it's really rare. Now, that being said, 1% is still a large number. That's still tens of thousands of people. But this could be a, you know, again, her getting lost in her own mind rather than logic. Yes. All right, Mark and Jessica, uh, how did they test on their equation of love? I give them a no pass. (laughs) They do not check all those boxes, you know. But of course, with the equation of love, there is some possibility for growth. Who knows? Um, I... Don't agree. Nothing to me says these two will ever figure it out and solve the equation of love. I I don't have any faith they're going to figure it out. Well, I will say this, though. Mark surprised me and how patient he was, you know? He is. And um, he is into her. I think he wants that intimacy and she's armoring up and backing off a little bit. I'd like to take a moment to talk to you about my free ebook, Five Dating Traps to Avoid. It gives you tips to avoid all the traps that make your heart break. So go to amythedatingcoach.com and that's spelled A-M-I-E, thedatingcoach.com. Now, Barnett and Amber and LC, and unfortunately, LC is the one he says, I don't want to propose to you. Kind of reverse. Oh my God, I hurt her so bad. I know, she was crushed. What did you, let's talk about this first. I mean, the connection that he had with LC. When it came to like the chemical spark, I don't think they had it. Um, She didn't make him hot and heavy like the other ladies. There's something about, like I said before, he likes hot messes (laughs) and that excites him. Well, I think LC, he made comments about her being kind of like him. 
it almost seemed like brother's sister. Yeah, I was thinking about it, but he even said, I don't want to date myself. Yeah. It didn't turn him on. He wanted yeah. somebody that complimented or maybe pushed him to do something else. And intellectual stimulation, I think they stimulated each other's minds without stimulating each other's hearts. I absolutely agree. I think that they had some deep conversations. Of all the different ladies that he was talking to, I think Elsie and him had more values aligned. So let's bring on Amber. I, I mean, talk about chemical spark. I mean, Barnett says, <laughs> I'm marrying a piece of sexiness. He says that you are the only one who gives me this burning fire in my heart. I am willing to bet if they didn't have pod sex, they had something very similar to pod sex. Yes. I think they were now sexually stimulating each other. Yep. And that... This is what you're talking about, the stuff that's getting released in their system. One of the things they're feeling right now is that dopamine rush. It hits your happy center, your reward center. So literally, they're getting high on love. And the minute that they like stop talking to each other, they're getting withdrawals and they constantly think about each other. And in the episode, we know that they go to the hotel in Cancun. They're in the hot tub. I mean... There is zero doubt if they had sex that night. It was just more a question of how many times. Yeah. (laughs) I think if they had turned the cameras off when they first saw each other, they would have gotten one of those couches and immediately gone I thought the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. But I think they like the way that their minds work. Barnett has always been one of those people. He wants an intellectual equal, someone who can keep up with him in his wit and i think amber is like a tennis match with him they bounce back and forth so yeah i think they both have intellectual stimulation going she excites him she'll put me in my place because he knows he's a tough guy and that's where he he respects amber the word respect shows up in this intellectual stimulation part so i say yes check on there and emotional intimacy, clearly the two of them have shared a bunch. Definitely, she has. She had her abortion story in, in the last episode. Yes, I definitely checked the box there because I feel, again, bringing back the vulnerability, she opened up, told her story, and Barnett didn't judge her or shame her. He was listening, and he embraced what who she was and her choices. Basically, they check all three. They pass the equation of love. Yes. Let's move on to Kenny and Kelly. One big thing with them, no sex on the first night. Kelly has made it very clear that she wants to take it slow, and Kenny seems to be okay with that. Uh, Chemical spark with them? Eh, I would say kind of a yes. She seems really kind of uptight and kind of holding her herself back a lot. I don't know. I, I see maybe them trying to see if attraction will grow emotionally because it just feels like she has her guard up. She's not letting him in. So can you control your own chemistry, your physical chemistry? Can she have this physical chemistry going on, but then she just stifles it? I actually believe you can do that. And I do believe you can slow things down. Like, again, when I first met you, I had this physical chemistry that happened right away. I distanced myself, but I was very clear. I'm really attracted to you. I'm just trying to slow down to see if there's an emotional connection because the the physical attraction is easy. That happens very quick and I can have sex with you and that's very easy too. 
but to have an emotional bond with you is much deeper and harder to do. So I'd like to side table the chemistry and see if the attraction grows. And maybe that's what uh, Kelly was trying to do. All right. I, I can see that. And intellectual stimulation. Yes, I do see that. I see that their minds seem to be similar. And even the way they speak to each other and their interests are very similar. Yeah, yes. they do seem like they have a lot in common. And the, I don't know, your certain brains move at the same speed or seem the same they way. They slow. Yeah, they both seem very slow and easy. And I think that that's super important in trying to connect. Uh, emotional intimacy. You know, in this episode, we didn't see very much of them, but I know we can refer to last episodes where they both talked about how alone they felt and how much they they liked being with the other person and, and they were pretty open. Yeah, I feel that there is emotional intimacy there. Here's a question, though. They haven't had sex. They're going to hold off on having sex. They check these boxes, right? Mm-hmm. So right now we've got they're checking all three boxes to a certain degree. What if they end up having sex and the sex is bad? Mm. I think most singles that I work with, they tell me like if the sex is bad, it's really hard to get over that, you know, because that's a big bonding piece for two people. Some people are fine without having sex. The people are asexual, but overall that could destroy the equation. So the, if you have a chemical spark, you have bad sex, you could suddenly have no chemical spark. It could go away. It could go away. Yeah. You know, some of these other couples that are not waiting, they're going to know pretty quickly if that spark's going to continue. So Kenny and Kelly, how did they do on the equation of love? I would give them a soft yes. There's so much that we haven't seen. And I'm not seeing things develop enough to say a solid yes. It's kind of a maybe. All right. Time to put Lauren and Cameron to the test now. By the way, I do want to point out that I did not cry one time during episode three. <laughs> Lauren and Cameron, you've got me twice, but three times is not a charm. So we'll see what happens in episode four. Uh, Chemical Spark, we saw a little of him in this show in the hotel room for a little bit. Yeah, he sat down and he was so excited. She was, And then she sat down a little bit farther than him and he like slided over very quickly and put his arms around her and he's like, ooh, yes. <laughs> he was waiting for the cameras to leave. Yes, he was. So it seems like the two of them had sex. Uh, do you think they have a chemical spark? Absolutely. Check and absolutely, yes, they had sex. No question. And intellectual stimulation. I mean, he's, you know, a scientist. And I know he likes the way her brain thinks. And they seem to be intellectually... The same the same, same wavelength. Yeah, the way that their sense of humor works, what they're interested in in life. Absolutely, I agree. Check on that. Now, emotional intimacy, they've been very vulnerable with each other. They've cried with each other. They seem to continue to, to have this vulnerable, non-negotiable connection uh, together. But one interesting part is that is brought up is she talks about how she's never dated a white guy. Her type for many years was black males. Now it's suddenly this white scientist. Do you think that can come into play in this emotional intimacy that she has a type and no longer does anymore? Yeah, I think, you know, when you're looking at that bliss list we talked about earlier, um, and you're looking at core values that you share to make a relationship work, they have the same core values and it starts creating this intimacy with each other that 
it doesn't matter what ethnicity the other person is. What really matters is you get me. I get you. We're going to be great together. I think if Lauren was online dating, never went on this show, filling out her profile, she might not choose to date any white guys because maybe she thinks white guys are not her type. Yeah. Which means she never meets a guy like Cameron. Yeah. And that is a really important message. I know when we started dating, you initially had a different age range on your online profile and you expanded it. And because you expanded it, we met. Yeah. I I mean, I expanded it by 10 years because uh, for a very long time, I had a type myself. And actually, my type was the bad boys as well. And I got out of that type. I can be bad. (laughs) You know, Kevin... You are, he doesn't have a single tattoo, okay? I was really into those type of bad boys. Okay. And um, what I did is David out of my type because I needed to get out of the same vicious cycle. And that's when I met you. So what that means is when you get rid of the type and you start focusing on the blissless, you might actually end up with a whole different type of person. And that bliss list will connect you to more important things, long-lasting things that keep people bonded. Well, what do you think, Lauren and Cameron and the equation of love, do they pass the test? Yes, they totally pass the test. They check all the boxes. All right. That moves us on to Carlton and Diamond. Now, this is an interesting one because we've seen them in the pods in previous episodes, and now he changes. Yeah, he was being really passive aggressive and really armored up. And he was almost like pushing, self-sabotaging, pushing her away like he knew that it was going to end. I know. I was, as I'm watching him, I'm sitting here going, he doesn't look comfortable in his skin. And he was so comfortable in his skin in the pod. And now he just looks awkward and he looks... confused and angry. He looks like a different person. His eyes are different. The things he says to her are, are either off color or rude or just bizarre. Yeah. This is his way of self-sabotaging so that he can lessen the blow for himself and not get his hope so high. And then he finally comes out and tells her that he used to sleep with men. He said, "I, I love that I can be myself around you when they were in the pods. But he hasn't been really, truly himself until sitting there telling her this. They checked all the boxes in the pods. But with the equation of love, you can have all three one day. And it can be wiped away by one lie or just withholding the truth. Yeah. And that's a big truth. Yeah. I I mean, she was very nice about accepting his truth, which he, you know, had slept with men. But... It's almost like he took this eraser to the equation and everything that they had built up. Totally got erased. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I And I, at the end of the episode, she ends up walking away. They haven't made a decision, it seems, as to what they're going to do next. But pretty clearly, Carlton and Diamond's relationship is severely damaged, to say the least. I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I know they're casting for future shows. This is one of those, well, will they 
allow this kind of situation to happen in the future. Who knows? We will see. Uh, That takes us to the end of episode three. Now it's time for Amy. If you can give us some of the episode three takeaways, uh, please go ahead. Here are my juicy takeaways. First one, understand the equation of love. That equation is chemical spark plus intellectual stimulation plus emotional intimacy equals long-lasting love. Takeaway number two, drop the word type from your dating vocabulary. Replace it with the bliss list. Remember, Jessica and Mark, she had a type. She did it big in older guys. It boxed her in and she's hanging on to his age. She's not seeing clearly who he is underneath that all. But look at Cameron and Lauren. She never dated a white guy. She kept her eye on what mattered, the core values, their soul connection. So definitely get out of your type and focus on your bliss list. And one more thing, if you've been single for a long time and you have a type and you've been sticking with it and it hasn't worked for you, well, maybe you need to start self-reflecting because we're the common denominator and we're the person that's choosing the people to bring in our lives you might have to start thinking about choosing differently. So now that you've heard what we had to say about the couples, it's time to bring back our original question. What do you think is required to have a long lasting relationship? Leave your answers or any comments you have at amythedatingcoach.com forward slash podcast or wherever you're listening to us from. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, if you like the show, please leave us a five-star review and hit the subscribe button. All right. Well, that's all for today. Yep. Episode three is in the can. We will move on to episode four next week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening. See you next week.